Hello everybody, I hope you're having a fantastic day. Today I wanted to talk about this phenomenon of constant seeking of activities in the spiritual path. And now to briefly define what I call the spiritual path, and I think everybody would agree, we could simply define it as the path to enlightenment, to liberation, salvation, or return to source. Whatever word or choice of words, combination of them, you want to use, it's fine. We're referring to a specific state of consciousness that everybody's seeking. And that's why we associate consciousness with this path. So, in essence, we can say that the spiritual seeker is seeking that, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we'll just call it enlightenment. And that is the realization that you are not this separate being that you're actually everything so that's what most people have at, at the basis of their seeking and that's the carrot in front of the um, uh, of the horse now it's interesting that once we get into this um, we obviously want to seek information about it we want to learn more about what this um, this path is, and how do we how do we get there? How do we achieve that state of consciousness? Now, here's where the constant activities or multiplicity of activities come into play, because we we are normally associating ourselves with a a thing that achieves other things see a, a being that achieves other things um, so I need to acquire certain merits and I need to acquire certain karma or good karma or I need to acquire um, a sort of peace of mind over time there's always a gradual process this is an extrapolation of our old methods of learning of course you're not an engineer until you actually learn and go through the process and practice and so on. And you are not an adult unless you go through the trials of being a child and a teenager and so on. So we are so used to this gradual process of becoming something that that's how we walk this path initially. And along this path, we have uh, all kinds of offers and uh, tempting activities that we can perform and do and uh, it's being said that that's what happens when you um, when you become spiritual or whatever other uh, label we want to put to this so here's where we we get involved and i think this is important to mention because a lot of us have gotten seduced by these practices and activities uh, always with that spiritual goal in mind what are, what are we going to achieve eventually you see and our mind is primed for this um, for this thirst for this desire to acquire new things new shiny things now it's not physical but all abstract and uh, divine and holy and so on and so I want to say first that there's, I have nothing against these practices. There is no 
there's nothing inherently wrong, obviously, with anything in the world. Uh, but I need to mention that we, we get into them because we think we're going to achieve something with them. And so we explore all these things. We explore yoga and we explore, and by yoga, I mean the version, the Western version of yoga, which is just uh, stretching and physical exercises, basically. Uh, we explore meditation. We, uh, if we can, we start, we start exploring what this chakra balancing is and what uh, your gender energy balance must be masculine feminine energy uh, we start exploring channeling um, because we were downloading information that all of this is pointing into the direction of I will become something better than what I am right now and like I said I have nothing against all of these practices uh, Qigong comes to mind, uh, Reiki and uh, Kundalini awakening or Kundalini work, inner child. Uh, the list goes on and on. I have a long list of all these things because I'm fascinated by uh, how all of them are actually related to the state of being, the state of balance. Um, I like to call it liberation of the mind, you see, because that's what we're doing. We're liberating ourselves from the mind and so you see that all of these practices obviously use the mind so in a way they bind us still to this um, to the state of incompleteness now if you're following me so far you're following me to this point then you can see that uh, they are all related they all have a substance to it but they never give you what you're looking for that's why some people have spent 20 years with mantra meditation. Rupert Spira, one of the persons that I admire the most because of his exposition on the direct path, said that he spent about 20 years with mantra meditation uh, trying to achieve this state of consciousness. Um, some people spend 30 years doing uh, all kinds of uh, activities and yogas and things like that. Uh, other people are simply... Uh, dilettantes dabbling at one thing and the other and always trying to do most people are right now in that stage especially people who like me never learned anything about spirituality in the past and uh, religion was just sort of a joke for us because it was so obvious that it was a method of control and so on so for people like us uh, that's what we do. We go from one flower to the next, trying to pick the nectar that is the sweetest that is going to give us that constant state of sweetness, that sukha, as opposed to dukkha in Sanskrit. Um, you see, and that's why all these practices are there um, to give us a little taste of what it means to be there. That's why we go back to them. That's why meditation is so powerful. And, and I mean formal meditation, not this meditative state, which is really the ultimate, um, the ultimate goal, if you will, is just to live in this state of being present. And I'll get to that. But yes, these practices can be very distracting. 
and I mention and repeat again that I have nothing against them. I don't, I, I, I'm not saying that they don't have a substance to it. They do. Psychedelics also, they have a sort of, um, let's say, connection or rather disconnection. But even psychedelics are using the mind, you see. There is no there is no substance in the world. There's no activity in the world that can give you what you already have. Because you already have it. And that's the whole trick of this. And I just find it fascinating how all these things are related to it. Obviously, Kundalini awakening, for example, that is the state in which uh, somebody who has had a major blockage suddenly by some uh, event could be metaphysical or physical has this explosion of uh, awareness very similar to a, to a psychedelic trip you see there is an explosion of awareness of that which was hidden behind the sensation of separation which is the default mode of the human experience so you see all these things are pointing out to this one reality that exists, this one harmonious reality that is not separate from something else. Um, these practices can actually create uh, what I would call the religious syndrome. Um, and I have seen this over time, and again, I don't mean any offense to anybody, uh, but there, there are people who start getting too religious with their practices and I have, again, I, I don't feel that this is a problem, but we have defined the spiritual path as that which wants to achieve pure harmony. And you see that the religious, um, the religious behavior is usually that which feels offended whenever their beliefs are questioned or their practices or that which feels uh, compelled to want to tell other people that what you're doing is wrong, you see? So that's why I, I try not to create the, 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 the notion that I'm saying that these things are wrong. Nothing really is wrong. But we can say that it is incorrect if the direction is to liberate yourself, to achieve enlightenment. And even the words are not are doing a disservice to what this is because nobody achieves enlightenment everybody is enlightenment they're not enlightened they are enlightenment that is just simply awareness and i get, like i said i'll get to that but you see how this this constant distraction and i haven't even mentioned the vast amount of philosophies that exist out there and the models of reality and the books that explain it. And all these things are, again, they're fascinating. Here I am, someone else, exercising his capacity of voicing things to describe that which is undescribable. You see, we cannot help it, we're humans. We like to do these things. And so, because of that, we have a vast amount of material that we can study and say, well, I'm getting the next book and I'm getting the next philosophy. And I see how they all connect. You see the perennial philosophy that is in the law of one and Buddhism and Christianity, Judaism and Islam. And of course, all the esoteric traditions of the, of the West, they have the same thing, the, Mas the Masonic and, oh, it just gets 
endless the amount of things that we can learn. And I haven't even touched on repressed history and uh, what has happened in Egypt and Mesopotamia and uh, the Americas and so on. All of this is fascinating stuff that we can get and should get into with our own desire to investigate it. But you see, the misdirection here is to believe that by continuously massaging the mind with all of these mental practices, physical practices, we're going to achieve or somehow improve closer and closer to that point of peace, harmony, equanimity. Well, let me go back to the, the purpose of all of this. Enlightenment, anybody can agree, that is mostly expressed by the person who is at peace with who he is or she is and radiates this to others. It becomes a contagious thing for others who meet the person. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to become a teacher or a great speaker or a guru of some kind, a hermit. It doesn't mean any of that. You can become, and I have met people who radiate this. It's not that you are not and suddenly you click and you are. There are very various uh, gradients of this, if you will. And I have met people who have no idea. I mean, they go to church, they're just very nice people and they radiate this love, this peace within themselves. You see, you don't have to become uh, the, the master of all, the, the academic, the, the scholar of. In fact, that may even take away your inner peace, you see. But that's what we're looking for. In, in essence, if we, could, if we could trade everything that we have in this path, which becomes tedious and uh, cumbersome at some point because of all these activities and am I doing it right? Uh, I didn't do my yoga today. Uh, I, I, I treated somebody bad today. I didn't uh, feel my emotions and all these things that... Uh, imagine how much time you would have to spend in your day if you had to do at least 10 minutes of these practices every day. You wouldn't have time to live. There are so many of them. So what makes us think that one of them is the specific one? None of them are. You know, they're, they're all just things that we can do for fun, uh, to enjoy this state of being, of being alive. That's it, you see? So, again, I think if we can trade all of this, anybody, anybody who is on this path, and I have asked this question, and irrevocably, I've always got the same answer. If you can trade everything that you're doing right now, you wouldn't be able to do any of those things, but you would be at peace and happy and being able to help others with your happiness. Would you do it? Of course, of course you would. That's what you want. We just get it all mixed up with other things. I couldn't be doing that because I need to polarize more than 51% to achieve harvest uh, of fourth density. Um, it doesn't matter. All of that, trade all of that just to be happy with your life, that nothing bothers you, that you simply are uh, things will happen, you know, vicissitudes 
are part of life, but you are not affected by them. You are nourished by them. You enjoy them. If you could achieve that, if you could become that, rather, if you could reveal that that's what you are, wouldn't you want to do it? Of course you would. That is because that's what we're seeking. We forget about it when we get into all these practices. So if we define that as the goal and um, we say, well, fine, I surrender all of it. What is the deal? How do I do this? Well, that's the problem. You don't do it. You are it. And you haven't been paying attention. So this is where the non-conceptual understanding of yourself comes into play. And now the shortcut to this, and yes, I call it a shortcut because it is. The usual approach is to go through years and years of practice. And that's not what we concern with in the direct path. It is possible, of course, that you do 20 years of mantra and suddenly you become aware of awareness. <laughs> that's it. You see, most people have gone through those paths because most people are not easily convinced that what you are is the universe. Now, smart people in the past have done this and they have repeatedly said so. And I've talked about this in Zen, in Christianity, uh, Buddhism, regular Buddhism, I call it. Zen is Buddhism, but you know what I mean. Uh, Theravada or uh, Mahayana, doesn't matter. There has been always somebody who says, okay, no, let's leave everything on the side. This is what you need to focus on. And this is the now, right now, you, yes, you, without thoughts, without anything. Look, look, pause this video if you want. Mute me if you feel like it. Just take in this moment. That's it. It's right here. We ignore it in favor of the mind. So we become clever and we start devising ways into which to get rid of the mental activity and to do meditation in one way or to do certain poses and stretches of the body to relax the body and so the mind and so forth. The shortcut to this is just to become aware that you are aware, not to quiet the mind, as I have said in the past. You don't need to quiet the mind. In fact, there is no such thing as quieting the mind. But to simply be present. Did you have to do anything to be present? No, you don't. Do you have to force yourself or uh, clench some muscle or energy in the mind to become more aware? No, awareness is your natural state. It's right here. It's not in the future. It's not in a sort of database that needs to be filled to some point. It's not on a skill that you will develop somehow. Skillful meditation or skillful uh, practices for breath work and so on. It's not there. It's right now. Do you see? So, getting drunk with the moment, 
just do that. Get drunk with the moment and you'll find yourself smiling. Or not even smiling. You just be. That's it. And you can see the impossibility of trying to explain this to the mind because the mind can only know itself through activity. And the wheel keeps turning. And the person keeps revolving and becoming as opposed to dissolving. I'll finish with one of my favorite quotes of the Buddha, or at least one, ones that are ascribed to him. Where he said, the path there is, but none who travel it. Enlightenment is, but nobody to attain it. Because you see, you have to give up yourself, your sense of self, of a separate self. And what remains is you. How funny is that? You give up whatever you think you are and suddenly you remain. You, the real you. Do this enough and you'll begin to see how this separate self or what we call ego stops having a pull on your life. It's that simple. It's a direct approach to the investigation of who am I? Who am I truly? And that's what we do in the direct path. We go straight into the essence of awareness. That's what we are. Of course, if you're interested in the direct path and you know a little bit of my work, go to the description and check out the course that I have or my Patreon. If you like these videos and you have been enjoying, especially my Love One series, uh, consider supporting by joining Patreon. It's a very simple subscription. Helps me, helps you. You get a little extra perks there and makes us all a little bit happier. Thank you so much for listening and I hope you enjoyed just this moment and everything I said. Does that relate to you? Leave me a comment. Let me know what you think. Have you done practices? I did many. And I have talked to them, talked about them in the past. And so I want to know yours. What did you do? Let me know in the comments. And again, thank you. And I'll catch you in the next video.